Good morning, all. Um, my name is Marcus, and I'm one of the apprentices here at Auckland EV. Um, we apprentices, there are quite a few of us around. We're all trying to work out what, uh, what God uh, can do with our lives in terms of whether we can serve God in a full-time paid capacity. So uh, I'm looking to see whether a, a pastoral role in the future will be something uh, helpful. And Rowan's decided to say, hey, you know, you can try preaching for one time. And he's chucked me up here. <laughs> Last Sunday of 2020. But I'd like to add my welcome to Rowan's. Uh, it's my great joy to bring you God's word today from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Now, can you guys believe it? We are at the last week of 2020, last Sunday. It's a hard year. It was a hard year for me, uh, but it's almost over now. 2021, right around the corner, sometime next week, bam, we're there. It's a good time to just reflect on the year and, and look forward to 2021. And that's one thing I like to do during this time, and I'm sure you guys like it too. It's time to set New Year's resolutions. Okay, not, not many. Uh, okay, so as we go about setting our resolutions for 2021, I'd like to ask a question. What, what drives your resolutions? What makes it to the list of things you'd set yourself to do in 2021? Our resolutions are usually based on our dreams or our visions that we have for ourselves. In the recent years, I've set to lose about 10 kilos from here. <laughs> My dream was to be able to go into a, shop, uh, into a shop, buy a nice pants without increasing the waist size, or find those elastic ones. <laughs> As a kid, I admired those music musicians playing the guitar, you know, rock and rolling all the way, and having all those girls going, woo! Well, um, so I wanted, one of the resolutions then was to learn how to play a guitar. Now, most of us will probably break our resolutions by March. I stopped learning the guitar because my fingers hurt. <laughs> and um, food on Dominion Road is just so yummy. <laughs> I actually gained a few kilos. Uh, the reason why I failed my resolutions then and why many people fail their resolutions when they said it, is that because our dreams and our vision is not big enough. We don't dream big enough. So what resolutions are we setting for 2021? Are the dreams behind it, are the visions, is the vision behind it big enough to take us through the year? In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we're going to see God's amazing vision for every Christian. And it's my hope that you'll go away uh, today being excited to set resolutions or planning for the year 2021. Now, to see this amazing vision God has for Christians, we'll need to understand three things. The human condition, God's work, and God's purpose for doing all of it. So let's pray to God to help us understand His Word uh, today. Father, help us hear Your Word God, help us hear you clearly through the preaching today. Help us understand the depth of your graciousness towards us. And help us be in awe of it and going away being excited for 2021. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the first point to understand God's great vision for all of Christians is to first know the human condition. And the human condition is this. We are dead in sin, deserving of wrath. 
Now have a look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. It should be on the screen. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Now, before beginning my apprenticeship here at EV, I, I used to work as a full-time doctor. And one of the characteristics uh, of a good doctor is his or her ability to diagnose a condition accurately. I mean, this is why we just don't Google our symptoms and we see an actual doctor. <laughs> Typing cough in uh, Google, and I'm sure some, some place or some time a bit later, Dr. Google will tell you you have cancer or something bad. <laughs> now, and if, but this is right, you see, if you don't get the diagnosis right, we don't treat the problem. And so it's really important to understand our condition before God to understand what remedy we can apply. And the Bible's clear about the human condition. We are dead in trespasses and sins. Now, with the word trespasses and sins, some people like to think of it as like missing the goal by a small amount. You know, like if God's pass mark was 100%, we maybe score 90%, not too bad, you know. 90% is still quite good. But trespasses and sins mean missing the purpose that God has set for us. God made this world with a purpose. He made you and I. The very hair on my, on my head belongs to God. And he made this world good. And he made this world for us to run it under him. But we rejected God and decided to run life our own way. We did what we want and we followed our own desires and thoughts. Kicking God out of the picture. And it is not that we just reject God sometimes, and sometimes we submit to God. The Bible's description of our condition is we are spiritually dead. There is no relationship with God. We are alienated from God. Now, the meaning of dead was emphasized to me when I was working in the hospital. I remember one night, uh, I'd been called to this emergency. A patient was found unconscious, and like we were just told to sort it out as doctors. Naturally, we go there, and we see this patient lie in bed. We put a line in, we've sent medications, we've done shocks, we've done CPR, we've threw, we threw everything the hospital had at her. But I think we knew we couldn't do much. Because when we got there, she was already cold. The patient was already dead. Nothing we did, nothing that the hospital could offer, could bring even a breath back. She was truly gone, and we were powerless to help. You, you can't bring dead people back, let alone making dead people bring themselves back. So, what does being dead in trespasses and sins look like? Because, you know, we're still moving, we're still alive, right? Well, being dead in trespasses and sins, it can look like everyday living. Have a look with me at verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 2. It's on the screen. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world. And in verse 3, 
We too, previous, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. Being spiritually dead looks like successful living in the eyes of the world. Isn't that what we've heard since the beginning? That narrative that says that we are the captain of our souls, deciding everything we want based on what we want and doing whatever pleases us? Now, I know the world taught me that. When I was young, I was told that my life was mine to decide and I'm responsible for making everything happen. So that's why I had to study hard, because I had to get good grades, to get into a good school, to get into a good uh, degree. Work hard, earn lots of money, and enjoy life. Go for those good holidays. Have security in life. Be comfortable. The point of my life then was to do whatever I wanted and to finally die saying I lived the good life. Now, I wouldn't harm people in achieving what I want, but I certainly chased after what I thought that could, what I thought could bring me happiness the most. When God looks at that kind of life I lived, there's nothing good about that. I did not live a life that pleased God. I lived a life that saying I was God and I did, was saying that I determined my own fate when I know I don't. You see, the world doesn't need to tell us other, anything other than to do what we like, to live for our desires, to do what we want. And it's just so easy to fall into the pressure that the world gives. So what's pressuring you to look more like the world around you than the God who made you? How are you fighting that pressure to be more like the world and less like, like God? Now, our rebellion doesn't look like pitchforks and gunfights. No, it's seen best in the way we live without God. And rightly, we deserve God's punishment. Have a look with me at verse 3. It says, We were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Now, wrath here means God's righteous anger. God is a God who is just and who will judge rightly. He's not going to um, judge otherwise. And we've destroyed his purpose for the world and we've rejected him. So we deserve his judgment and we deserve God's punishment. We actually deserve what's coming to us. Now, we've seen our condition. Uh, we're dead in sin, deserving of God's wrath. But what, what, so what does God do? Well, I'll tell you what he does. He saves us by grace. Have a look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. We deserve his punishment, but he shows us mercy. Now, mercy is shown in acts of compassion or kindness, and that's how the Bible puts it. And God shows us mercy by saving us. Have a look with me at verse 4. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. Now, how rich is God's mercy? How rich is God's uh, wonderful grace? Well, let me, let me just try to paint this sentence out for you. We're a bunch of people who are deserving of God's punishment. Okay, we've rejected him, we've kicked him to the side, and we say, you know, we're going to run our lives our own way. So, God 
sends his son to save us. That doesn't make sense, does it? We rejected God. God's rightfully angry with us. But instead of punishing us, he sends his son to save us. Now, this is the Bible's concept of grace. And Paul spells this out for us in verses 8 and 9. It's on the screen. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. The thing we learn here about grace is that it's all God and not us. He initiates and completes the saving work uh, of making us alive. There's nothing that we did. It is not from ourselves. God's salvation is God's merciful gift to us. He just gives it. And we receive this this gift through trusting in his saving work. Now, this gift gift costs us nothing, but it costs God God greatly. It costs God his only son, Jesus. The Bible says this about Jesus. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. God sent Jesus into the world, and Jesus lived the perfect life and died the death that we deserve in order to restore our relationship with God. God saves us through what he has done in Jesus. And can you see how great God's love is? That he will give his son for you and me. And the other thing as well is that since God does it all, it also means that God is responsible for my salvation. You see, if you have trusted in Jesus, you might think that you are responsible for your salvation, to make it to the end. But um, we aren't. It's always God. Our entering into heaven is dependent upon God. Now, isn't that just so reassuring? To be able to depend on God fully without worrying or messing things up. This idea of dependence, I know very well when I drive. You know, if you sat in the car with me, you know that I'm really, really bad at directions. No, you don't know how bad it is. I'm I'm so bad (laughs) that it's now a year and a half in living in my house. I still have to Google to get home. (laughs) Five minutes from here, I still Google to get home sometimes, yeah. Um, When I had to depend on my direction skills, I messed things up real bad. One time, uh, I got lost going to a Bible study. Okay, yeah, it's fine, right, getting lost to a Bible study. Uh, but this, this Bible study, the location, was a place that I've been going for for two years now. <laughs> Weekly, every week. <laughs> Took me half an hour to find that right turn into that street. I was like, that street disappeared. I don't know where it is. <laughs> uh, but, but if you've met my wife, E, uh, she's a GPS. Now, she's so good that you can just tell her, oh, uh, that place by that road or by that uh, stall or that shop, and she knows where it is. She can get me there. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> she's consistently better than Google. <laughs> In the morning, rush hour traffic, don't follow Google, follow E. E says, turn right, you follow. You turn left, you follow. <laughs> Google says, go straight, don't follow. <laughs> and that's why I love being in a car with E when I'm driving. Because I can depend on her to direct me to wherever I need to go, and I know I'll get there. It takes a load off my shoulders. 
Now, imagine if salvation depended on us. Imagine that stress every day, every minute, to be doing everything right. If not, you'll lose your salvation. Now, if salvation depended on us, the weight would crush us. That's why we thank God that He did it all, and it's all on Him. And sometimes, we don't live the way that we should, and the guilt weighs on us. We may have watched that thing that we shouldn't have, or did that thing with someone that we shouldn't do, or perhaps we've hurt someone, or perhaps we've um, lied about something, and we feel really, really bad. And that doubt will start to creep in that we don't deserve God's love, that we don't deserve to be God's child, that we de- God deserves better than any of us. And sometimes, at that time when we feel that, we react in sometimes these two ways. We just give up and say, I'm done. I'm done. I, don't, I don't do any of this anymore. Uh, sometimes we try to cover our sins with good works and say, no, no, I'll just do more good stuff. I'm just going to go to church more. I'm going I'm to help out more. I'm going to do this more. But have, have, have you had that? Have you had that doubt creep into you before? Now, I've had it both ways, especially when I've not lived the way I should. But God's grace helps me answer that doubt clearly. And the answer is this. Yes, I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve to be God's child. God deserves better. But God secured my salvation. I had no part. He initiated it. He completed it in the Son. I know I don't deserve to be God's child, but by His grace in saving me, I am meant to be God's child. There is nothing I can confess or say or do that will ever separate me from His saving work because God saved me. I didn't save myself. Now, now, you might ask then, uh, so what's the purpose in God saving us? I mean, it, it's, it's like, oh, you save us, yay, we're done. Okay, you know, uh, you're now alive, so go do whatever you want. No. God saving us is not arbitrary. In fact, this is the vision of God's amazing grace for all His people. God saves us so that we might be His display of His stupendous grace in the coming ages. Have a look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. It says, He also raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the, heaven, in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might display the immeasurable riches of His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that if you are saved by God, your spot is in heaven is where Christ is. So where is Christ in heaven? Well, a little bit backwards in Ephesians chapter 1, it tells us this. God exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now, being at the right hand of God is a position of power, of ruling. Christ is at God's right hand. A position that means he's the ruler of everything. 
and that's where we will be, God's right hand. Now, can you, imagine, can, you, can you just take a moment to just imagine that? We started off as dead people rejecting God, ruining his world, deserving of wrath. But God saves us and puts us, when we are in heaven, at God's right hand. But what's the purpose of this amazing grace that God shows us? What's the purpose of placing us into, into this uh, position? Well, verse 7 spells it out for us. It's on the screen. And I want us to get this real right because I think this is an amazing vision that God has for us. It's so that in the coming ages, He might display the immeasurable riches of His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In heaven, we'd be the display of God's amazing grace for all the universe to see. Now, imagine this. You're walking down in heaven. You've just come out of your nice little apartment slash living abode. And you're strolling down 777 Street, you know, walking down there, going to a local hangout to meet the other guys and uh, friends. And you happen to pass by angels talking. And you hear them saying, yeah, I don't know about God's grace. You know, uh, like how do we know God is gracious or merciful? I know he's just, he's full of justice and he's fair. But how is he gracious? How, how? I don't know how to see God's grace. And that's when you know, okay, if that ever happens, that's when you know it's your time to shine. <laughs> you go and jump and go, hello! Look at me. Look at me, a human being standing in heaven. That's all you need to see. That is God's grace. I'm not supposed to be here. I was once dead in sin. sin. Like, I mean, dead, dead. Couldn't move. Um, but look, look at what God did. He made me alive in Christ, and now I stand before you in heaven. Now, if you still don't believe how big God's grace is, just wait here. I'm going to call my friend Rowan. He's going to come along. He's going to show himself here as well. And, you know, we're just going to call, I'll call everybody else. In fact, I'll call people from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. Then you'll know how gracious God is. And, you know, I, I kind of I picture in my head that the angels will be convinced of good, that God is indeed gracious. God's grace, God's grace to us is really amazing, eh? That God takes us as unlovable people, dead in sin, deserving of wrath. And then, because, because of nothing that we did, or we have done, or we'll ever do, He just lavishes His grace on us. He just pours it out. It's all God's work. And the purpose? For us to be displays of grace in the coming ages. Our past has been dealt with and our future secured. But you see, we weren't just made alive and told to wait for the future, and all that awesome stuff we talk about will happen then, and you know, and we, you're stuck in limbo at the moment. No, no, no. You see, we are already spiritually alive right now. We are alive in the truest sense of the word. And we are not the same as we once were, being dead in trespasses and sins. Have a look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. This passage today ends by giving us our identity now. We are a new creation made for good works. Now, if you are one of God's piece of work the way that I am, be excited. God has created you for good works. 
these, these good works that we do doesn't save us in any way or contribute in any way to our salvation. God secured that. But these good works that he's made, uh, is what He's made us in Christ for. In one sense, guys, we are made for this. So sometimes when we get up in the morning and we, and we look in the mirror, and we can be sad, tired, depressed, deflated, and we look at that grumpy face like I had this morning, I was like, oh. We, we look at ourselves and we think, what can I do? What can I add? There are just so many things that I wish I'd be that I'm not. I'm not thin. I do not play any instruments. I'm still working on my kindness and my generosity. I'm just all over the place. I'm not the man I want to be. But what Paul is saying here in Ephesians is that each time we look in the mirror, we are a reminder that God took people like you and me and saved us because of nothing that we have done. And then he sets us about to do his work, which shows the world around us who he is and how great he is. We get to show the greatness of God. We are made for this, guys. Can you, can you see this amazing vision that God has for anyone who accepts his gift of salvation? Not only will you be displays of grace in the future, but right now you're already made for good works. You're a new creation, alive in Jesus. So, as you set your resolutions this year, how will this vision of God's amazing grace shape it? Would it be to spend more time in knowing God through His Word? Or perhaps it's just learning skills to love one another better. Perhaps it's to just dedicate some time to meet with people to grow in uh, God's Word. Or perhaps it's even just as small as confessing that thing that you did that you shouldn't do. Or that guilt that you carry on in your life so far. Make that a resolution to confess it and to bring it out because God has done it all. You don't need to carry that load. Now, there are so many great resolutions we can set from this wonderful vision of God's stupendous grace to us. So I, I'm quite excited to hear from the next few weeks what you guys will set. Come have a chat with me. Love that. Um, but there's another thing that we get from this. That God, God is calling everyone and everywhere to accept this gift of salvation, or this gift of grace, by trusting in what His Son, Jesus, has done. God sent His Son, Jesus, into the world to die for sins for people like you and me. The righteous one dies in our place. And God raised this Jesus to life again as ruler of the world. God calls everyone everywhere, even today, even right now, to trust in what Jesus has done to get for forgiveness. And submitting to Jesus, who's at God's right hand, ruler over everything, as that, ruler of everything. And if you're sitting here today and you've not accepted God, if you've not yet accepted God's gift, well, I plead with you, trust in Jesus' work for your salvation. Make that your resolution for 2020. You've got four more days. And take that off today. He's done it all. His gift of salvation is being offered freely to all of us today. Don't live as children under God's wrath that we rightfully deserve. Take this grace that we don't deserve. He's offering that freely to you today. If you'd like to chat more about what that means to be accepting God's gift, come and speak to me or Rowan or one of the staff team here. We'd love to have a chat with you about what Jesus has done.
Not, but it, right now, if you like to trust in God right now, I'd like you to join me in praying to God now. Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I'm guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.